Scopely, a social gaming startup that makes games like The Walking Dead and Dice with Alan. We have studios all around the world. I believe the total number of employees is somewhere in the 2000 range. I think we're in, look, I want to say 12 different countries. Like I, I literally had phone calls last month with people in Bangalore, India, and this morning, actually, I had up this morning and talking to folks that were in Barcelona and Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I know that Scopely used video games. I think video games are actually the hottest part of technology, and the chips that go into video games make it so it's lifelike. Hi, I'm Erica Wong, a lecturer at the Sauter School of Business at the University of British Columbia and a lecturer at the Emily Card University of Art and Design. Welcome to the Frequent Arts Question podcast, where we focus on creating tangible ways for creatives to move forward with their careers. Before we get into the episode, I would like to emphasize that the recordings or podcast episodes are separate from my teachings at both the University of British Columbia Sauter School of Business and Emily Carr University of Art and Design. These episodes are my way of widening access and barriers to entry for those who are interested in the creative sector and understanding how commerce plays a part of it. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Excellent. My name is Jonathan Scott. I am an artist in the video game industry. The company I work for is Scopely, and the studio within that company that I work for is called Boundless. Wow. I <laughs> I feel like every single time I talk to you about this, I get like, you give new information, and I was like, oh, that, that wasn't the answer I was anticipating. Okay. Was it? No. No. So how long have you been in this position for? I have worked uh, as an artist in video games professionally since 2007 and have studied making video games since 2001. Okay, so I think that it would be useful to define what artist means in this specific context, because I think, you know, like obviously because, okay, first off, just a little bit of information, Jonathan and I did our undergrad together. So that's actually how we know each other. Um, we, we both obviously went and did a fine art undergrad. However, I think that in this context of talking about being an artist in video game isn't necessarily what we think, which is sort of like, oh, you're an artist that is in a gallery you're, or you're an artist no. in a museum. It's like, no. I think that it's really important to make sure that the, vo the vocabulary that is used yeah. here is accurate. So would you mind For sort sure. of actually explaining what your job description is? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my main focus at work uh, kind of divides between three different disciplines. So I create environment art, uh, character art, or tech art. Um, character art is effectively every single thing. If you know, you see Super Mario jumping around on screen or Ryu with Street Fighter running around, I'm the person who makes that. Um, the game that I'm currently working on is called Marvel Strike Force. So I've gotten to make characters like Modoc and Nick Fury and uh, just a number of other, you know, high level, high brand characters for Marvel. Um, and for environments um, on prototype projects that we've been working on, um, I'm also responsible for effectively every other pixel on screen. So that's, you know, if you're building a, a you know, you're attacking a ninja academy, I got to build the ninja academy. Um, I have to build the sky, I have to build the lights, I have to build the fog that goes into the background, um, you know, and pretty much everything in between down to the rocks to every single barrel you touch. The other aspect of my job that I tend to do a lot of is called tech art. So all of these, you know, assets are built within the game. Somebody then also has to be able to figure out the process to get them into the game engine, get them running at an appropriate speed, getting them working with the rest of the uh, programs that are written by our computer engineers. Um, one other thing I do as well as a bit of uh, corporate strategy as well, where I'll have discussions with um, high-level management for 
uh, which way the company should be headed and strategies to be able to help out like working culture within the company. Is that common within your position? It can be. Um, it tends to be more of a director level position. Um, I have kind of shied away from uh, going to be a full-time director because I like making video games. I like making art, but I also do enjoy, you know, kind of more strategic mindsets for um, some of these things. And, you know, eventually that strategy trickles down towards the actual developer themselves. And if you're like, wait, why are we doing it this way? This is dumb. And then you eventually have to run upstairs and go talk to the folks uh, to be like, hey, this, this seems like the wrong way to go. And there's better ways to build video games. So. Um, it ends up being kind of like a back and forth dialogue at this point. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I absolutely love doing it. I've gotten to be able to sit with my, I literally flew from, uh, my trip that I was taking in Germany to London to go sit with our C staff and like have a conversation with them over lunch. And like, you know, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I'm really fortunate that I have, I've been friends with those folks, uh, for a number of years. So um, it's, it's really cool. I've gotten to learn a lot from doing that. So it sounds like that your company is a, a multinational company. Is it, is it an international company where you're, yes. there are loads of different offices all around yes. the world? Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we have, we have studios all around the world. I believe the total number of employees is somewhere in the 2000 range. Um, and I think we're in, oh God, I want to say 12 different countries. Like I, I literally had phone calls last month with people in Bangalore, India, and this morning, actually, I had to get up this morning and talk to folks that were in Barcelona and Dublin, Ireland. And like I said, I flew to London to talk to our uh, CEO the other day. So. Could you sort of talk about that path? Did you finish your undergrad and then directly, mm -hmm. like, how does this work? Did you take a portfolio from your undergrad and then you saw oh. a job post and you were like, I'm mm -hmm. going to apply for this with my existing portfolio. Yeah. And then was it, was it like a really kind of like standard way of yeah. applying? It was, okay. Yeah. That, was, that was exactly, okay. exactly what you did. Like built, uh, so like my, my main area of study at art center was, uh, abstract painting and conceptual photography and, uh, while I was there, I was really lucky that I got into the gallery three different times. And one was for fine art with just abstract painting. Another time was with photography and another time was with illustration. You know, that, that doesn't happen too much where one person's able to get in effectively using three different, uh, majors, uh, mediums. And, uh, you know, I was doing the fine art thing, but at the same time, like a good, you know, third to 40% of my time, I was, you know, we were crossing the art center bridge from the fine art side to the design side. And I would regularly, um, hang out with design kids over there. Yeah. Was taking video game art classes, was taking, uh, product design classes, was taking illustration classes and was just doing my best to study that stuff. And over time was, yeah, building up a portfolio, uh, because I knew when I got out of art center that I, I wanted to try to work in games and. Oh, okay. Um, so you already knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I joined, I joined art center wanting to make games and the fine art major, I fell in love with the criticism. Um, and I, I got into art center with photography, knowing that I wanted to make video games and then fell in love with painting even more than I already was. And the criticism that I was getting at the fine art program. And I was like, oh, do I go with fine art? Do I go with entertainment design? Like, I think I'm going to stick with fine art the whole time because I'm never going to get this degree of criticism ever again. I, I can learn the software. I can learn the technical elements while I'm here. That's just me doing the hustle on top of this other thing. And yeah, built up a portfolio. Um, I started to apply to a few places and 
one of the early places that I looked at was called Shaded Box and they were in Pasadena and applied to them. I didn't even know this at the time, but one of the owners of that studios was a teacher at Art Center. So like, he showed up there and he tells me that. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, I teach there like right now. Why didn't you ever take my class? I was like, I had no idea who you were that you had this class there. And he's like, well, I'm shocked because you never took my class and you're good enough to like get a job here. And like, let's give it a shot. Right. And, um, yeah, they hired me and we're like, can you start now? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and just gave it a shot and called up a friend and was like, Hey, like I'm going to get to this apartment over here <laughs> and moved down and did the whole thing. So yeah, that was that. Okay. So my understanding is that your position is an artist and then you, you do character design, you do tech design mm -hmm. and then you do environment which is so that sort of sounds a little bit like you do like the setting mm -hmm. within the game and then you paint the characters and then i can't recall what the third one is now make it make it all run make it look pretty make it all run <laughs> perfect okay great um i would imagine so what would your day-to-day life in this position look like what do you what do you need to do are you constantly on calls on meetings or are you actually how how often do you get to draw it depends so like it depends on which project that i'm on like some projects are very very meeting heavy and i i have a weird position where i kind of float around like last the last couple of weeks um i was able to you know tell my vice president being like hey i want to look into ai and i want to try some stuff out with that and i was able to go and get uh you know custom Amazon web service uh, things. So I basically got my own server with this huge uh, GPU cluster in it. They paid for all of that. I got to train and practice all kinds of stuff by building my own custom artificial intelligence model. I was like, holy cow, this is so much fun. Uh, they're letting me do all this stuff on somebody else's dime because this costs you know, thousands of dollars a month to be able to run one of those things. So I was like, oh, like I'm a race car driver. They gave me like a new Ferrari go test, which was very, very fun. Um, other weeks, yeah, I'm in a bunch of uh, meetings, like planning out how the game's going to work, um, consulting with teams and individuals. There was a time that I had to fly to Mexico City because we got a new hire that we're training up for a new studio down there. And I spent a week training him. Um, there was a time when, uh, just this week, they assigned me a new character. They're like, hey, we're really behind on this character. We need a lot of help. Um, I jumped over and helped build that character. So, like, it, it, for me, I'm all over the place. Generally speaking, if you're, like, just a character artist and you're, like, earlier in your career, um, you tend to just be, like, here's the model. Here's the next model you're going to do. Here's the next model. Please continue to make these things and make interesting uh, versions of these characters. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that they kind of uh, have given me this huge amount of flexibility to kind of, like, I can look where it is that I see that, that I can attribute value to the company and I can just go do it. You also run your own team. Uh, somewhat. So, like, it's not 100% my team, but I do help out with a number of other teams. So that that's why I haven't been, like, full director because I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do that. I want to, like, manage all the HR stuff that has to go through and I'm like the career development of these people directors don't get the chance to really make video games anymore they have to just sit in meetings and listen to the other people and do debates back and forth and it's like oh god like it's no it's no fun right like i i, I get all the fun none of the responsibility and get to just pick where i go so like i i am uh very much so still being a kid in that ring of where i get to do what i want and nobody tells me what to do and i can still get paid for it so uh really fun. fair enough fair yeah. enough so what does yeah. that look like for you in terms of relationship management so customer facing what is that like 
How often are yeah. you, I, I, I think I'm going to break this into like many smaller questions. <laughs> do you do a lot of front facing, you're pitching outwards to clients? So there's, there's a, a, for clients, there's a thing that I set up in the company where we do uh, a game jam, right? So I pitched that we need to shut the entire company down twice a year. And during that twice a year, people need to be able to build whatever innovative products that they want, right? I basically wanted to give the entire company what my job is, right? And uh, during that time, people can make whatever they want, right? You can make a new feature for the game. Uh, you can make an entirely new game. You can go make write some poetry. Whatever it is that you feel you need to do to be creative within the company, please don't do that. And what happened was, is, you know, over the first couple of years, yeah, we started to get some really interesting ideas. And I was like, okay, some of these things I believe could actually be full-on products. How do we then take some of these interesting ideas and convert them into products? So we built our own internal incubator where uh, we can then take some of these ideas, give those people more time after they've done a pitch where they will go and take their concept, write a proposal, uh, present that proposal to studio leadership, and then get the opportunity to work on it for longer. If that time that they do while working on it for longer proves fruitful, we can actually pitch that to the entire Scopely corporate management to be able to build that as a full Scopely multi-million dollar product. So um, we've, we've got an outlay uh, where we're able to do that um, within the company at this point. We've, we've got a couple that have gone through the pipes so far. So. Are there similar skills that you use in terms of this type of client management or relationship building when you are onboarding a new team member? Ooh, uh, when onboarding a new team member. So for that, it was... I, I think it is actually kind of similar because in the end, you're trying to teach someone about a vision and how to execute that vision, right? Where it's like, if you're looking at a new team member coming on, you're trying to tell them the vision of what your company's culture and ideas and products have been and where it is that you think you're falling short and how it is that you think you can make things better and how they can help make that thing better. I think that's almost the same story when you're pitching a product to someone, right? Where it's like, hey, here's this vision for a thing that doesn't exist yet. Here's what it is that we've been able to prove out so far. I need your help in some way to be able to make this thing a reality, whether that's funding, whether that's you know, staff, whatever it is that you can do. I think it's almost the same story. So I've, I've never actually thought about it that way, but I, I think they're actually quite similar. So it, it's all about just telling someone a simple story about how you wish the company would be uh, and a little bit differently, right? And to ask for help. And is that also similar? Say if you're working with a team that is halfway around the world on the same mm -hmm. project, I'm assuming that mm -hmm. does happen. Uh, yeah, right now. And yeah. what does that, what would that look like in terms of building relationships, making yeah. sure that you have effective communication amongst yeah. everyone in the team? Because there's too many yeah. hands in the cookie jar. Like, so how do you actually manage something like that? Uh, so luckily or unluckily, like COVID kind of taught everyone how to work remotely. So we were able to you know, use stuff like Zoom and Slack, like Slack became the major tool that we're communicating through. And occasionally you have to jump on Zoom to be able to do visual things. But most recently, like I said, like we were hiring on a new junior artist in Mexico City to be able to kind of like staff up a new company down there. I was like, hey, I think it's really important that I fly down to Mexico City and make this guy feel he's at home, right? And they can feel like he's a part of the company. Shook our hands and on 
to lunch with us and knows our culture like intimately. I think that's super important for a junior, especially because he was the first one on and if more people come in, he's kind of like indoctrinated into who we are, like as a people, he will be kind of that viral uh, vector for the next people to come in, right? So he kind of is establishing that, you know, beachhead for what we'll be doing. So yeah, for me, I think that's super important, but when I'm talking to like an existing company, uh, like this morning called up, uh, Ireland and had a conversation with them. They have their own cultural norms, their own ideas, their own problems. But at the same time, there's almost always common ground that you can discuss where it's like, Hey, we're noticing this problem. We're out in the same thing. Oh, we saw this success. We're doing this in the same way. And it's to me, that's kind of like an information and like cultural exchange at that point, rather than trying to like, Hey, we need to like indoctrinate you instead of more like, we appreciate what you guys do. We're seeing these weaknesses and what you do. Here's the weaknesses we've seen with ourselves and vice versa. I think that's kind of more just the attitude and mindset to have when you're, when you're doing that for cross company and like intercompany at distance. That sounds right. EQ. Yeah. You got to pay attention to what people are because turns out you don't do this shit alone. And there's a lot of people, uh, who have exceptionally low EQ in whatever way, whether they're, you know, big time screamers or political people who try to stab people in the back, or there's, there's just all kinds of horrific people that you can work with. <laughs> um, you do your best to kind of have a no assholes policy and you try to screen them as best as you can during interviews, um, using every trick in the book, but sometimes people get through and then you're, just, you're just married to them and they're just stuck in your house all day is the worst roommate for the next, you know, eight years. <laughs> so. What are ways I can practice my EQ, seeing as it is so important to building long-lasting relationships? This is the thing that we've spent many hours going ahead and having a conversation with. They're presenting it at an all-hands, right? So there's 250 of you guys sitting at a meeting, and then somebody's like, this is like the best idea that we have. It, it takes the, the highest degree of courage to be like, unmute yourself, <laughs> raise but your do, hand. But does that happen, though? Yeah, like I can actually get a specific thing, right? Okay, it was, perfect. So this um, comes down to dealing with EQ, client management, and just like overall understanding how to go and develop long-lasting relationships. All right, not a scenario. This is an actual thing that happened. And luckily, most of this is public, so like it's fine. Our company got purchased from a company called Savvy Games. And Savvy Games purchased us for $4.9 billion. Huge amount of money. Savvy Games isn't just anybody. They are funded by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. When that happens for, you know, a West Coast, uh, fairly liberal game development studio, people get their feathers quite ruffled by the concept of working for something like that. Our studio had also been purchased by 21st Century Fox, same company who owns Fox News at one point in time. They are separate businesses in completely different cultures, though, for 21st Century Fox versus Fox News and then the corporate overlord of Richard Murdoch saying, hey, I own all of Fox in general. In this instance, though, yeah, your corporate overlord is, you know, Mohammed bin Salam. A bunch of people were a little bit upset about that. And they asked out in a survey, like, hey, how do people feel about this? Yada, yada, yada. And most people on that survey responded anonymously. I put my name right at the end of it and specifically asked my president, like, hey, this is a really serious situation. And a lot of people are underestimating how serious it actually is and how big of an emotional impact it is. The leadership above us at like the CEO level are like, this is such a great opportunity, man. This is so much fun. Like, oh, we've never compromised our morals. This is a thing that we truly believe in. It's like, y'all got 400, y'all got 4.9 billion reasons to compromise your morals right now while the rest of these people, you know, they, they would throw my friend off of the roof if she went there, right? Like, that's not okay. Yeah, put my 
true feelings out there to be like, hey, this is exceptionally dangerous. And like specifically instructed my president to be like, hey, do not address this with the normal corporate platitudes of, oh, this is fine. And talk to me like emotionally. That was the week before I went into the studio because we normally work remotely. And I was at the studio. My president happened to be at the studio at the same time. And he walked by my desk and was like, hey, can, can we talk for a minute? And went and talked with him for an hour and a half to be like, hey, like I think we need to understand that this is a dangerous moment within the company because of X, Y, and Z. Like this is exit money for some people who invested their stocks. This is a really contentious moment for people in terms of their moral value judgments for being able to like generate money for this company. In the end, any of these kinds of moments, it's just about thinking through why you feel the way that you feel and doing your best to articulate it as clear as possible to another person in the most truthful, genuine, honest way that you possibly can. And if you can kind of like state your values and not be this like screamy kind of crazy person and you can hopefully have them understand you, right? That's kind of the goal that what you're trying to do is just gain understanding between yourself. Like, hey, am I confused on this? Or, hey, I think you might be confused on this. Can we like talk this out for a moment? That's what you're looking to do, whether it's with your colleague who's a junior, whether it's, you, you know, the absolute president, CEO of the company. It's all just people in the end. And we all screw up. We all make mistakes. We all make unfortunate assumptions and we all have certain biases in our head for how it is that we think the universe and the world around us works and you might get that wrong you might be wrong in a certain instance but it's about just saying like this is what it is that i'm thinking seeing and feeling can we have like a conversation to see if we can get on the same page and understand things and that's got to be what your goal is not being right just like any other relationship that exists in the world you should treat your family like that you should treat your spouse and girlfriends husbands wives whatever like that that's the kind of thing that you need to do is just go like, I'm not sure what it is that's going on right now, but here's what it is that I'm thinking and feeling. What do you think and feel about this? And you need to kind of get that like investigative mindset, regardless of how complex the situation is, right? But how did that turn out? Uh, I don't know. We're going to see what happens. But we had a, we had actually, we had a really good uh, conversation. And Gary and I got on the same page in a really uh, good way. He's one of the smartest, most competent people ever. I've worked with him now for 13 years, which is exceptionally rare in video games to have stayed together at the same studios for that long. We've gone from a tiny little startup with him to a multi-billion dollar company. Thanks to Gary, because like the dude knows what he's doing. He is one of the people that if he ends up leaving, I would probably be looking for a job very, very quickly because he is so good at that kind of EQ kind of concept. And he, ha he has the right intentions behind pretty much everything that he's trying to do overall. Made me a bigger fan of Gary from that conversation. So <laughs> he's a good date. It sounds like you have a really good relationship in terms yeah. of with you and your like ultimate boss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the industry, I'm curious. So for anyone who's watching that is maybe trying to break into any of the creative industries, what questions did you ask when you started so that's question one. Question two is, what questions do you receive now that you've been in the okay. position for quite a long time? And question three is, are these similar questions to the types of questions you will be asking to your president in the mm -hmm. company to go and continue on with your career trajectory? No, my, my questions are very different now. Okay, well, so what did you start off with? Break, breaking in is a very different thing, right? How, how do I get in, right? And then the next big question is, am I good enough? How do you get in? Well, get a dope portfolio, right? And the thing that I always tell my students is you have to become world-class at this. This is not a thing that you can dabble in. 
you are trying to get into the UFC and become a UFC champion, right? To do that, you can't just go to like your local boxing gym and kind of hit the like small bag every now and again and be like, yeah, guys, we did like 20 minutes and then go home. It's like, no, you eat, sleep, live, breathe in the gym. You move to Idaho to be able to go train with the craziest guy in the world who was the previous world champion. Uh, you have to be willing to like break your nose, your ankle, your feet, everything in between, right? Sacrifice everything to get good, right? And that's what it means to be a world-class artist, right? Because not everybody gets to make billion-dollar games, right? Like that's not a common thing for people to go and do. So that's that's kind of the big initial question that I tend to be asked. It's like, how do I do that? How do I find motivation? I'm of the opinion if you are like looking for motivation to go and do this, like you're probably in the wrong field. Like you should want to get up and like the first thing you want to do is like, I need to go read about making video games. And if you're not already just naturally doing that, you're probably, you should, you should go do the thing that you actually like wake up and think about, right? Where it's like, oh, you wake up and you're like, I really want to go like eat Cheetos. Like go start a Cheetos blog. <laughs> like that's what you should go and do. Like somebody out there gets paid to like do that, right? Like there's crazy stuff out there. Let me think. The kinds of stuff that I ask juniors now uh, and like colleagues is we're constantly looking for like, okay, here's how to improve. Is this the framework for how you think we're good right now going to matter in like the next few months, right? And then like, can we alter what our thinking is now to get to the next level, right? So it, it's just, you're, you're just constantly trying to do this like one-upping of yourself, right? Where it's like, again, if you're, if you're a, a, a boxer, right? And you're like punching the bag and you're like, is this the absolute best punch that I can throw with my given resources, body limitations, all this kind of stuff? What if I turned my shoulder a little bit more? What if I like turn my wrist right at the end? What if I pushed off harder on my foot? Do I get more tired, less tired? If, does somebody have some new technique, right? And you're like, is there a new boxing glove? Like you're just constantly attempting to like refine what it is that your day-to-day -day ends up being. Um, so, you know, it never stops, right? But like, am I good enough? Is the question you will always have because everyone around you in the industry continues to get better and better and better every single day. There's constant innovation. There's never enough time to be able to read and learn all of it. So you have to kind of collectively reach out into your community to say, okay, here's the problem set that we're looking at. What have the rest of you seen? Maybe the person next to you has invented something new or like it, you've seen a process that they do. We have one guy's name, uh, Jonathan Flanders. You should look up his art station. One of the best sculptors I've ever seen. Unbelievably fast. Uh, he could sculpt the things that take me a week to two weeks within two to three days at a, an exceptionally high level. And I was like, oh, we can't. <laughs> the thing that like, saved me against him is like, I'm a better texture painter than he is. Um, so and like, we really wanted to collaborate where it would be like, he would sculpt it, I would paint it because then we would kind of get, you know, Wonder Twin Powers activate kind of moment, right? And I was like, ah, oh, but we, we never got the chance, unfortunately. Uh, that would have been, that would have been like jet fuel, right? That That's one of those optimization moments though, right? Where it's like, oh, is this a way for us to like work better, not just individually, but as a team? We take his superpower, my superpower, squish them together. Oh my gosh, it's like ultra superpower now. And the kinds of questions that I now ask upwards, that's kind of more now like the broader corporate strategic stuff, right? Where it's like, instead of looking inward at myself for like how I get better, I'm looking outward towards how does the team itself get better? And more importantly, the organization itself. How do we learn better as a team together? How do we then uh, take ideas that juniors have and be able to actually get them funded and built into new products, right? Why is us elevating these juniors into like executive level roles 
an important thing to do strategically for the company's bottom line, not just my studio, but the entirety of the organization of Scopely as a whole, right? But those kinds of conversations are now more kind of like aspirational executive type stuff that um, at some point I will probably get dragged into and that I won't get to make video games anymore. Um, so I'm kind of pushing it off as much as I can. At some point, yeah, I'll, I'll probably get dragged that way or I'll jump headfirst into it, likely against my will. <laughs> so. Do you have a lot of freelancers or do you outsource mm -hmm. a lot? And if yes. that's the case, then I'm just going to ask a little bit about money. Are the, is the rate varied if they are freelancer versus outsourcing? Uh, same, same thing, I guess. So, effect, yeah, like an outsourcer or a freelancer, effectively to us is the same thing because we go, oh, a freelancer, that's an individual who is their own company. And outsourcer, oh, here's a company that we are contracting with a series of people within it, right? Um, either way, you're not full-time employees that are covered by you know health insurance all kinds of other stuff and all the other legal repercussions that come with becoming a full-time uh salaried employee so in that instance i don't know the exact pay that either of those things get my understanding is that generally speaking you pay outsourcers a little bit more so that way then the company itself can take a bit of profit off of the top of that for managerial overhead and then to be able to pay you know their guys uh health insurance and whatnot Generally speaking, if you're a freelancer, you should get a higher hourly rate than your fellow salaried employees, but the, you have to pay your own healthcare. You got to pay your own full social security tax, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You got to do that four times a year. You got to clock hourly rates. If you're smart, you will have incorporated uh, to be able to protect yourself with the corporate veil from that because you've already companies uh, one way or the other. Yeah, there's all kinds of like little nuanced things with that. But at the same time, if I'm a salaried employer, employee, uh, I can get things like stock options, uh, and that can rocket me way ahead of, uh, somebody who's a freelancer. But if you're a freelancer, you should be thinking that too and be like, Hey, you'd like, I'm helping to build this multi billion dollar thing. Whereas my stock options, I need to now charge more. Do you work steadily with the same freelancers or are there new ones who bid based on like, do you have an RFP scenario? And if you don't know what an RFP is, so it's like a. So it's a request for proposal. So usually mm -hmm. like there are proposals and then you sort of have to go and apply like whatever it is that you can right. do, or is it like kind of like a very standard route to going to applying like, here's my CV, here's my portfolio, Right. You know someone I might know yeah. on like, yeah. how, how does yeah. that look in terms of yeah. a freelancer? For a freelancer coming in, what happens is, is that we put out, Hey, we're looking for a contract artist. And effectively, they go through most of the same process that a salaried artist would do, except that their contract is just short, right? We go, hey, this thing is going to be a contract for three months. This is going to be a contract for six months. If we need them again, we usually will extend their contract. And then I think the max we do is like eight months or so. And then we're like, screw it. We need to pull this person on uh, salary full time. For the outsourcers, what happens there is we do tend to do long-term commitments with our outsourcers where we say, Hey, uh, we were going to have to hire on a bunch of people. That's a very hefty overhead. It's pretty sad to lay people off. Uh, so to mitigate the risk of us having to do layoffs, uh, we're going to hire some outsourcers and that can take pressure off of the internal team. Um, having to, you know, make 15 characters, uh, with just three people <laughs> that can be a little rough at 
pipelines. So instead we go, hey, let's have the outsourcers do five. Let's have a contractor do one, pull me off of whatever project <laughs> and I'm salaried internally. So, um, you know, there, there's ways to kind of like pull the levers to be able to reduce pressure. But um, yeah, that's, that all ends up being a balancing act based on, you know, whatever budgets that you'd be able to pull. What's a good way to go and market yourself as an artist? So what have you seen that an artist has done a really good job at marketing them <laughs> to you, either visually or through words or otherwise? Yeah. You know, num number one thing that matters above everything else is your portfolio. If you make dope work, the entire internet will notice. There's tons of game artists that will post a cool image of something, an interesting design, um, a shot from a movie, game, whatever it is that they're working on, or usually it's often their like own custom designs. You can get a million views on that. And then you, you can be known within the game industry because there's regularly times where I'll be, you know, scrolling through a website like ArtStation and go, oh, that's a cool image. Go look at it. Go look at the guy's portfolio and scroll down through the portfolio and go, oh, I remember that. I remember seeing that years ago. That's the guy who did this. Oh, he's working on this game now. Oh, very cool. And then it's like, oh, I'm either going to follow this guy or I'm going to go like, you know, pester my art director. Like there's one guy, kid was in college and he did this incredible image of like the Legend of Zelda and it was this shot of the forest and it was just like beautiful and it was a crazy new art style that I'd never seen before. And like saved his image one day and then at work we were talking about it and i was like that's the art style that i want to do right and it's like oh like you know had we had the funds and the budget uh you know while we we're working on that game i could have easily asked let's hire that guy you know good work gets remembered <laughs> good work is just good it's so obvious at a certain time when a person has incredible abilities the other way that works good for marketing is things like starting a youtube channel and being able to post a bunch of tutorials you can get very known from doing that you can do that as your full-time job as an artist now right there's people like uh i think it's stanley prokopenko I think his name is Proko on uh, YouTube. There's another guy uh, called Ross Draws who went to Art Center with us and he's a concept artist and he just, you know, does cool drawing tutorials and like drawing demos of how much of a badass illustrator he is. He's got billions of YouTube views. Turns out that guy's not going to have any issue getting a job. He doesn't need a job. He can do whatever the hell he wants, right? You know, there's plenty of other people like uh, Fidian McManus. He's a great concept artist who was just like, he was working with uh, virtual reality in a way that nobody else was doing for concept art. He's making amazing stuff. Derek Quigley got snatched up by Marvel, ILM, all kinds of other people. Um, that just happens super quick because uh, you're good. And the dude was like 24, 25 when he was becoming an art director, which is just unheard of, but he's so good. That's fine. Nobody cares. Hey, I don't care if you're in, you know, Uganda. And you're, you're just sitting out there as like a 12-year-old kid messing around in ZR paint somehow. If you're the best guy, you're the best guy, right? We'll find you and like you post your stuff on the internet. The world will find you. And if you're not getting found, maybe you're not that good, right? Like that that's kind of like a good standard to be like, are you winning contests? Are you getting lots of contacts from people? That was a constant check at Art Center, right? Where it was like, oh, before you finished your fourth term, is anybody like offering you a job yet? Well, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't getting you're going to make it, homie, right? You got to figure out some other way and tell people to like kind of beating down your door, right? Because otherwise you might be in trouble. <laughs> Are you still networking? Yeah, but I don't know. The way that people call like networking, networking, where it's like, oh, I go to a convention and I shake some person's hand and I pass them a resume or like I pass them my business card. It's like, that's, I don't think that's ever gotten anybody a job. 
since like the 90s like i i don't think that's how networking works at all right okay so how are you networking now yeah the the way i think networking works like persons in your network when they're like calling you up to come to their kids bar mitzvah that's when you're in their network right when you call them up for like a barbecue they say yes and show up that's what you want to do and that's the degree of closeness that you want to have, right? Like, you can call me up at any time, day or night, for any saver in the world. You need me to bury a body. I, I won't even ask who it is, what's happening. I'll just show up with a shovel, and it's fine. <laughs> like, I'll just do that. Nothing happened. Just go home, go to sleep. I'll take care of this mess, sweetie. <laughs> like, network. That is where it actually matters. That's where it's actually meaningful, right? Where, like, I can reach out. This person will help me. Luckily, I've been doing this for a long time and know like hundreds of people um, who would help me out in kind of the same way. That's really where it is that like a network actually matters, right? So for me, it's always about just, hey, this person was really interesting. They were really friendly. I like spending time with them and they happen to be in my industry. So just go spend time with them. Make friends with those people because they were your friends. That's networking. Not, you know, I went to this convention and shook their hands. Like, yeah, you can go and do that, but like, how many times have I done that? Completely forgotten who they were, lost their business card, don't care, like whatever. Like the person just like poofs the second you, you meet them, right? I don't think that's particularly effective. Um, I think networking once you are in the industry is just being exceptionally close to the people around you. Networking before you get into the industry, network with all of your students, all of your colleagues, your classmates, because shocker, they're all going to get jobs one of these days. They're going to be in the industry and you're going to need help from them. So be cool with them, be chill with them. The other opportunity is like, if you're in video games, go work on game jams that are out there. Um, once you have the skill set where you can go and work on like USC's game jam, global game jam, there's just a million jams that you can go and do where you go and you sit shoulder to shoulder with somebody who might be in the industry, might be a student, might be whatever, but they're working on a cool project. You're working on a cool project with them. And you're stuck in the trenches with those guys for like the next 72 hours. And if you kick ass and something comes out really cool, you're probably going to be friends by the end of that. Probably like for real friends, right? And like hang out in Discord together, right? Go to a Discord group for software that you really like and just make a lot of noise. Make the coolest shit that anybody's ever seen in that Discord group for that software that you're working in. People will notice you. People will remember you. Chat with people. Go play Xbox Live with them. Make friends like that's really what it is make genuine long-lasting friends and if you're a fan of the community and the industry that you want to get into just go interact with it right there's this thing where people are like i'm on the outside it's like well you keep standing in the corner just jump in start doing it there's something out there that you can do today right there's nothing stopping you from joining global game jam and making a game just go do it nothing stopping you from going to gdc and volunteering to go work with the people there right can go do that like your portfolio may not be good enough to get you an internship or get you a junior position but you can find something with which to start poking at the industry take classes from people that you think are incredible you can pay people to like get that initial relationship and learn from them right where my big anatomy hero i literally keep his sculptures on my desk this is from anatomytools.com from Andrew Quars. I keep that on my desk at all times i keep two of them actually <laughs> That is on my desk at all times while I'm working. The dude makes, you know, the best ecrochets in the world. He's probably the foremost uh, anatomy instructor on the planet. He teaches surgeons anatomy, for God's sakes. I was like, this dude's the best. And he was putting on a class that he puts on maybe once or twice a year ever. 
it was two grand to go to the class. It's going to be like another two grand to be able to go and stay in Vegas for the week and a half that you needed to do it. And the classes were, I think, 12 hours a day. And they started at eight in the morning. Well, guess I'm going to go do that. Drove out to Las Vegas, took the week off of work and like got to go sit in a room with this dude with like, you know, 10 other psychos who were also down to go and do this. And I had made my own ecro shade before I went out there to be like, hey, am I good enough to even take your class? Am I, am I level one or level two? And he goes, you're level two. You are not level three. And I was like, okay, good enough. <laughs> and like got to go sit and study with him and talk with him and like learned a ton from him. Got to sit with other in, uh, industry professionals. There were people from Riot there. There were other people from LucasArts. There was just like other people were around. If, you, if I wanted to, could make very close friends with those people. Could have stayed in contact with Andrew if I wanted. Had his email, had his phone number. It's all possible. Just, just go do it. <laughs> Yeah, insert yourself. I think it's like when you're not a hundred percent sure whether where your level is, and you find these places of entry, I, I would find a way to get in there because once you're doing something that is within the industry, you're actually going to see the same names and the same faces over and over again. And at some given point, either you can make the conversation or you make the initiation to go and start that conversation. Or like in my case, like I would have curators that would just come up to me in Hong Kong and be like, I can't see you at the same places. And it's just yep. like, yeah, it's yep. because we are all in the same industry. It's the same faces over and over again. Yep. We all know when the openings are. We all show up at the same yep. time. And, yep. you know, even if you don't speak, you just, you'll know that you're part of the same network. And at some given point, maybe someone's going to introduce you or you introduce yourself or something. Like, it does actually happen. And I would say that that is true. I think that networking now is closer to doing things like that or maybe it's industry specific i think that maybe perhaps in the creative industry this is much more like this rather than going to a convention not that you can't go to a convention like don't get me wrong you can go to art fairs you can shake hands with a lot of people you see collect but like the truth of the fact is that you're probably not going to follow up with a lot of those those people because it's just like you know it wasn't it wasn't necessarily somebody that you emotionally connected with that you think that it's worthwhile to have a conversation with or or not or, i actually or, have this like the other common thing right is uh there's a thing called like game dev drink up right where a bunch of game developers go meet up in santa monica and get some beers that's all we're doing we're just going over there because it's like hey like my homies work at this other studio i'm gonna go get a drink with them like we're all just taking this time to go over there and screw around basically right well, a bunch of like interns or like people who are trying to become interns or people who are trying to break into the industry show up there. One of the first things they do is come up to you and go, hey, man, like my name is blah, blah, blah. What can you do this? And like, one, like I'm not the person who decides who gets hired and fired. I will be the person who interviews you. I, I can like thumbs up, thumbs down there. I don't make roles for a new junior artist. Also, we post that on our website when we need that. Secondly, we're just chillaxing here. And like, first thing you do when you meet me is try to ask me for a job. I don't know you. And like, secondly, if I go and like take you and like bring you in as, hey, this is Freddie. He said he wants a job as a junior. Let's say we hire you and you suck. Then my reputation for recommending anyone into the company ever again goes to crap. And like, I'm not putting my neck on the line for some random person that I don't know versus like a colleague that I worked with for 10 years who just happened to leave for a couple and I want back. It's like, I, I, that's political capital, so that's human capital internally, right? So. so it is possible. I mean, yeah, don't do not do any of the things that are rude or considered unprofessional. Like, don't start off the conversation with, 
art kit do you want to hire me you know like you need to find different ways to go and have the conversation of are you guys currently looking let, but i'm fairly let, sure let them ask you oftentimes is really what you want to do right like especially but you can lead it though you know what i mean but like you need to pique the interest enough for them to be like oh are you looking for a position and because i you, think that, that will you would happen. have to be so tactful because yeah. the thing is is like i've heard this thousands of times i know what you're trying to do i know you're a G like just from talking to you i can tell you have not done this before right like Game developers, we can spot each other from across the street. No bullshit. Like, I've literally been, like, walking through, like, Santa Monica and, like, oh, game devs. Like, across the street, I'm like, those guys are game devs 100%. And, like, if I'm going to lunch, like, we have to be careful with what we're saying about work. Because those guys 100% are game developers. And then if we sit next to them and start listening in, we're like, yep, they work at Sony Santa Monica. What are they working? <laughs> and we're trying to, like, hide who we are to be able to hear what they're doing, right? You know, some junior intern comes in. It's like, I know you're not from there. Just like when we were at Art Center, we could tell who was actually from Art Center and who wasn't. Yeah, the we one who was really tired. We could tell whose car wasn't from an Art Center in the wow. parking lot based on how clean their car was. Wow. We'd be like, that guy's not an Art Center person because his car's too clean. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yep. Yeah, like, we know there's so many like cultural yeah. things. So like, if you come in, like just come in and just be friendly and if you can build a relationship with that person because they're fun to talk to or they become a good mentor or like, hey, you've been coming to this place a lot and we've been hanging out, eventually I'm going to be like, dude, you've been here like nine times. I bought you like seven whiskeys. Like, what? What are you doing? Like, are you in college? Like, what's going on? Like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And like, let me kind of like be the person who's leading that because mm -hmm. then I am curious about you because now I am going, well, this guy, what does he do? maybe let me ask him right but I, I think the other way i know you're trying to hard sell me kind of a thing right be subtle be chill don't don't necessarily ask for anything like go because you are trying to interact with the industry you're trying to be a part of this thing even if you're not 100 percent in yet you're still in right you're 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 engaging within the field that you love do that because you love it not because you're you're like trying to get something from the people that you're interacting with i can tell when you're trying to use me i know when you're trying to ladder climb me and it's like one, one i'm gonna catch it and i don't like hanging out with people like that because i don't think you actually like me very much because once you get what you want what are you gonna do you know like leave I know. like i thought you were cool i thought we were cool <laughs> they were afraid you know and that's just it's sort of sad at that point right and like a waste of time because i'd rather go like talk to my friends who i know actually care about me right like why am i gonna spend time with you well thank you for your time yeah no worries and that's it thanks yeah, bye -bye. Bye -bye.